0: This is Big Podcast. It's Build a Big Podcast, the marketing podcast for podcasters. I'm David Hooper. This is the podcast about growing your audience, spreading your message, making money with your podcast. This episode, it is the audio edition of my weekly newsletter that's called Big Podcast Insider. It comes out every Friday morning, New York time. If you want to subscribe now or just follow along, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. That's where all the links will be as well. In this episode... Jimmy Buffett, Aristotle, and you. Messages in present tense are more persuasive. Turn good episodes into great episodes. Three simple ways to find story ideas. Sponsorship framework for podcasters. Netflix is shutting down its DVD business. What does that have to do with podcasting? I'll tell you. Also some classified ads, things that I think will help you and your podcast. This episode is brought to you by riverside.fm, the leading platform to record studio quality remote podcast and video. 70,000 people use it. The New York Times uses it, Spotify uses it. Riverside records locally on each participant's computer and uploads to the cloud. That gives you the highest audio and video quality. You're going to sound like you and your guest are in the same room even if that guest is on the other side of the world. It's very intuitive, it's easy to use. Your guests don't need to install anything. You simply send a web link, opens up in the Chrome browser. You and your guest are magically transported into the Riverside studio. they got a free trial for you to Riverside.fm. Go there, sign up. you got a couple of hours to check it out. Kick the tires, look under the hood, see how you like it. If you do, I've got a discount code for you, and here it is. Big podcast, B-I-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. That's Riverside.fm, the 15% off discount code. Big podcast, B-I-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Hey, if you've been here before, you know how this works. What I do is go from story to story to story to story to story. And in between each story, you're going to hear this. Oh, (laughs) shit. That's my buddy Jeff Sanders from 5 a.m. Miracle. (laughs) True story. Every time I record with Jeff, because I've done a few things with him, had him over here for interviews, he comes in with a huge Nalgene bottle, not the 32 ouncer, 64 ounces full of water, the man likes to stay hydrated. And this sound, that is Jeff spilling his water in his studio. Obviously, a very traumatic thing, but we're gonna have a little fun with it. Ready? Jimmy Buffett, Aristotle, and you. To write well, express yourself like the common people, but think like a wise man. That is a quote from Aristotle, and it is great advice for podcasters. Over the years, I've interviewed hundreds of songwriters, and this is something that the great ones have in common. Same for podcasters and radio hosts. The songwriting thing is interesting to me because I will get guys in my studio that, I mean, some of them have dropped out of high school. They just knew what they wanted to do. They're not classically educated as far as the school system. 16 years of school, whatever we think of as standard for the United States. But they do read a lot. They are empathetic. They are able to connect with people in different ways. I'll tell you a funny Hank Williams story. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Williams is kind of this tough country guy. Drank a lot. Um... Arguably a rough upbringing, rough life, and he would read True Romance magazine. It's kind of like Hustler Letters or Penthouse Forum for the ladies. It is a little more, uh, a little more mellow, Pulp Fiction, not real deep, but it taps into an emotion that people are feeling. And when the people from his band found these magazines, like, "What are you doing? These are sissy magazines." His quote. Not mine, but that's the time that it was. We're talking the fifties when you wouldn't have seen a man read these kind of magazines. He's like, what are you talking about, man? This is where I get my best ideas. That's where he was getting ideas for songs that he was doing. Jimmy Buffett, he was one of those people. Regardless of your thoughts on his music, I want you to think about this, two things. One, his ability to connect with people. And two, his business sense. Both of these things came from his ability to observe. For example, his first job out of college was writing for Billboard magazine and realizing that most of the musicians he was writing about were broke. When he went full-time as a musician, he started to diversify his income. For example, bought his own tour buses. And when he wasn't touring, he would rent them out to other artists. A tour bus right now costs about $1,000 a day to keep on the road. That's the driver. That's fuel. That's rental. Not cheap. And you can see how being on the receiving end of some of that money, that's not a bad income stream. That's exactly what Jimmy Buffett saw. That's exactly what he did. Of course, we've all seen the various Margaritaville licensing deals from the chain of restaurants, club and resorts. There's a line of blenders. There's a branded radio station on Sirius XM. The man understood the value of branded merchandise. And also... Building something around a community. When you've got both of those, that is a lot of money. That's a lot of loyalty. Jimmy Buffett had 30 albums. If you went to a Jimmy Buffett show and those were the true fans, or were they? I don't know. I don't know that all those people were buying all of the albums. They were going to the shows, they were experiencing the community. Again, it goes back to that. They're experiencing the merchandise because they're all in Jimmy Buffett tees, they're bringing in their own sand. <laughs> I mean, these guys took concert going to a new level. But were they really there for him? Or were they really there for the community? That is something for us to think about with our podcast. Speaking of that community, Jimmy never put himself on the Jumbotron screens when he played live. You know, you go to a concert these days, you don't just watch the guy. You're watching the guy on a big screen, either behind the stage or to the side of the stage. Jimmy would never put himself on that screen. It was always the people in the audience. He made it about the community. And something else he did, or didn't do in this case, speaking of the community, during his time at Billboard, this is a great rule to follow for podcasters, by the way, he was reviewing shows, he was reviewing albums, and he would never, ever, ever give anybody a bad review because he knew how hard it was to get up on stage. There's a great quote with him talking about this. He says, now there has to be something toxic that a review says, something that isn't all positive. But I would never do that because I knew how hard it was to get up on stage. That's a man who understands where people are coming from. His fans, the other musicians doing the same thing that he's doing. I mentioned me interviewing songwriters, and this is something that I've noticed. We have a section of my show. It's called Dave's Demo Derby. People from around the world, they send in demos, music, basically, demo tapes, and we review them. We take them out of the envelopes, we play them for the first time on the air, and we talk about them. For the listener, it's like being in the room in a music business office, a record label, a publisher, a music supervisor, somebody who would be listening to music and having a first impression. You are there for that first impression. One of the things that I've noticed about the more established artists that we get, the songwriters, the guys who are actually in the trenches, they do not criticize the music that we get. They don't, they are very respectful. The people who aren't respectful, Some of the business guys, the guys who haven't actually done it, the label guys, the managers, they just haven't done it. They just can't connect to the musicians and the songwriters like other musicians and songwriters. Think about that with your podcast. Can you connect with the listeners that you have? If you can, you got a good thing going. More thoughts, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Messages in present tense are more persuasive. I want you to compare these two comments about the same podcast episode. Number one, that podcast episode was great. Number two, that podcast episode is great. Reviews written in the present tense versus past tense were perceived as up to 26% more helpful. Radio hosts have known this for years. A good host always talks in present tense, and this is why. I've got an article. It's linked at newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Thomas McKinley says this. He says, number one, We perceive the past tense as saying something about a particular point in time, not a continuing activity, so it feels more subjective. Two, the present tense implies something current and more universal. It seems more certain. Number three, because we consider present tense more certain than the past tense, we find it more persuasive, useful, and helpful. Let me give you a way to do this in your podcast. If you are doing a promo, maybe for social media, maybe you've got an episode coming up that you're teasing on your current episode, a lot of people would say, we talked about blank, 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 saying it like it's in the past, even though it hasn't been released. It's a future episode. Or we're going to talk about saying it's in the future. The way that this article suggests, keep in the present, we talk about. So if I've got an upcoming episode and I'm teasing it to you, I've got Grammar Girl on the next podcast, and we talk about blank. That's better than we're going to talk about for a few reasons. One, because it sounds like you're a fortune teller or that's what your plans are. But we all know how plans work in the studio, even listeners. (laughs) Your audience wants to experience this stuff with you. If you're a DJ playing music, for example, the audience is feeling that you're listening to that song with them, experiencing it with them, not that you're just saying, hey, everybody, we got the new Jimmy Buffett track, and here it is. Plop that track in there. That was a new Jimmy Buffett track. What'd you think about it? Let me know at 737 rock. The audience wants to think that you're in there with them. That's another reason this works for radio and podcasting. More thoughts and the link to the article, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Mm. Oh, sh- Turn good episodes into great episodes. There's a difference between a good conversation and a quality interview format podcast. We've all seen those guys at the party and they've got great conversation skills. These guys are great at parties and they usually are very interesting to engage with. They've been there, done that. Ha, 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 life of the party, man. Ups the energy. They take a boring room into something that you're glad that you're a part of. But what helps somebody at a party is only gonna get you so far when it comes to getting a great interview on tape. Great interviews have focus. Great interviews have purpose that goes beyond just hanging out, bringing the energy up. Killing time. Great interviews have some discovery, but also an informed person guiding them. They're not random. Sometimes you'll see a beginner podcaster do a random interview. Oh, so tell me about yourself. Okay, okay, uh, all right. That's how they started out. And then they have crazy discoveries, like an exploratory surgery. That's not how surgery works these days. And that's not how interviews should work these days. If you go in for brain surgery these days, you ever know anybody who's done that? My father's done this. Had a brain tumor. They knew exactly where this thing was, down to the millimeter. They're doing all these tests on him. They got these nodes on him. They knew exactly where they were going to go, and they went there. Got this thing out. He's been great for the last 20 years. That's not how they used to do it. How they used to do it is like, man, get the knife. Yeah, all right, we're going in. Going to see what's in there. They didn't know how to see behind that skull, man. And you get in there, you can mess things up. I mean, this uh, this was pretty harrowing even though they knew what they were doing. you got to disconnect the nerves and you got to make sure that everything is fine so you don't wake up paralyzed or deaf or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. And your interview, probably not that serious. (laughs) Some of you think so. (laughs) Probably not that serious. If you mess it up, it's not a big deal. But you cannot recreate a moment. You cannot recreate first impressions. I talked about the demo derby. We would not have the same experience already having played that music and knowing what we're getting into than we would opening up those envelopes, popping a CD in the CD player. We would not have that same experience, that surprise, that delight doing that a second time when you already know what's coming. With that said, you kind of want to know where your interview is going. You want to do that background check. You want to have a pre-interview. And when you have that pre-interview, do it a few days beforehand. Let the person you're talking to forget that you've talked about this stuff. Ask other people that know the person that you're gonna interview, do your pre-interviews with them. Tell me about this. What's the most exciting thing about working with this person? What's something that I need to know nobody ever asked about, but he would love to talk about? I had an interview like that recently. (laughs) This guy's on quarantine, like a lot of us for a little while. He's a musician, off the road, He's an Evil Knievel fan. And I was too, any Gen Xer. We grew up with these Evil Knievel stunt cycles. You'd wind it up, let it rip. And we'd do stuff like maybe cut a shoebox in half, make a ramp out of it, something like that. Anyway, there's apparently a whole group of people that are really, really, really into Evil Knievel and into these stunt cycles. And they're building huge wooden ramps. They're jumping over real cars, not just Hot Wheels. And this guy was one of them. So she said, Yeah, ask him about Evil Knievel. He's like crazy about Evil Knievel. And it ended up being great, man, because I've actually got an Evil Knievel stunt cycle poster in my office. It was one of the first direct marketing things that I ever responded to. I'm in direct marketing now. I love it. Like I said, Gen X, we grew up around Evil Knievel, we knew about it. We knew about stuntmen, daredevils, that was a thing in the 70s. So I asked about all this, we're building rapport, we have a great conversation, and then bring it into the music. Because there were some parallels that I was able to draw out there. And that's the thing, you gotta have this plan and think, all right, here's where I think it's gonna go, here's how I think I'm gonna bring it back to something that the audience is gonna care about. It's not just random. You would never get there randomly that exploratory surgery. You're not going to do it. You've got to have that insider information. And that's from either a pre-interview with the person ahead of time, we are just chilling out. Hey, man, that's the life of the party stuff. Hey, how you doing? All right, great. Hey, really excited about interviewing. I can't wait to get you in the studio. Can't wait to get you on a remote connection. Just want to introduce myself, just see how you're doing. If there's anything that you want to make sure that we talk about, let me know, see if I can work that in. That kind of thing. Just a chilled out, laid back interview. You're not going through every single question. You're not giving your questions in advance. You're not even giving the topics in advance. You might give a topic. Hey, I wanted to talk about your career. I know you've been on the road for 30 years. I'm going to dive into what that's like on this interview. You don't need to prepare because it's your life that we're talking about. But let me know if there's anything that you think that I might want to talk about that would be interesting for our listeners. It's that kind of thing. It's super laid back. I don't know why people are so worried about these pre-interviews. They're so scared of them. Well, I couldn't ask for a pre-interview. No, man, it's just hanging out. It's building rapport. It's building rapport. The point is you need to harness all this stuff. Don't do it on the interview. Don't do it on tape. Harness it, man. If you want to create a great interview, you've got to harness it. I've got more thoughts. Newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Mm. Oh, shh. Three simple ways to find story ideas. The next time you're struggling to come up with a new story or just need to push in a more creative direction, Sally Herships recommends to try one or more of these three things. One, be curious. Two, talk to people. Three, research. I'm gonna give you quick thoughts on each. Obviously, doing research is helpful when it comes to your podcast. Beyond helping you to be factually correct with the information you share, the best reason to do research is the amount of story ideas that you open up to during that research. I'm not sure if I've ever done a pre-interview where I didn't walk away with a possible new direction, such as, adult men playing with evil Knievel toys. <laughs> but it was a moment, man. And we got into all sorts of stuff. He's like, yeah, dude, Sammy Hagar saw the video and shared it. I said, what? Okay, let's talk about that. I mean, where else are you going to get these things if you don't have a casual conversation? If everybody's stiff, if everybody's in that radio mode, no, that's not a great podcast. That might be great for morning radio. Hey everybody, welcome. We're gonna have Sally on the air and she's gonna crack an egg on her head and it's gonna be hilarious. Plus traffic on the fives and 35s, that's coming up. Yeah, all right, we've all heard that. People who come to you, they're not there for that. They're there for something different. And you go in a different place and you go in a deeper place when you do your research. And obviously, being curious, that is a great asset to have during interviews. It's also something that will help you in your day-to-day life. So let's talk about that. Always ask questions. More specifically, always question things. Why is this that way? Tell me more about yourself. Are you having a good day? I don't know. Ask questions. Get in the habit of that. Oh, is that an Apple Watch? Oh, do you like it? Have conversations, man. You're going to meet people. And you never know who you're gonna strike up a conversation with. But also, you're gonna learn things that you didn't know. Let me tell you about striking up a conversation with somebody. I'm in the chiropractor's office. It's been a few years ago. I don't know why I started talking to this lady. I don't remember. But what I do remember, speaking of Hank Williams, let's do that callback from the first segment. This is his granddaughter. And I'm sitting next to her in the chiropractor's office. She owns a clothing store in Nashville. Well, we've got a connection there. She's also involved in music. We got a connection there. You see, that's how these things work. I was never going in there thinking, oh, I'm just going to have a conversation with some random lady in the waiting room and she's going to end up being a guest. But it happens and it's happened more than once. It happens to me all the time because I strike up conversations with people. Now, sometimes it's going to get a little weird. Sometimes people don't want to talk to you. Well, okay. Read the room, man. Know when to shut up. But in general, I find that people are more open to talking than not. People are thrilled somebody cares about them, man. Thrilled, because people are ignoring them. People are in their own world. People are on headphones, and people have their heads in screens. They are dying for human connection. We are the most connected that we have ever been in this world, yet people are dying for human connection. You can be that person. You're gonna learn a lot, and you're gonna open up yourself to new guests. You're gonna be able to connect the dots have this conversation help with this interview, even if the two aren't completely related, two completely random people, but you're gonna start to be able to put these things together. You're gonna be a great host because of it and a great interviewer because of it. I can't tell you how many interviews that I have set up simply from talking to people. And big interviews, not just random people. I mean, there's celebrities and people that are very successful all around you. You would have no idea. No idea, because they look like normal people in the real world. I held the door open for a guy the other day. This is at a mailbox, et cetera. You, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, a UPS store. <laughs> he had a ton of boxes. I said, let me get this door for you. Okay, cool. Started talking to him, and I recognized him. I don't think he recognized me. <laughs> he had No reason to recognize me. But I thought, oh, wow, this guy. You know, I could have hit him up for an interview if I wanted to. I've got other ways of getting to them. When I do, that's how that connection is gonna happen. Hey man, you're never gonna believe if I actually held the door open for you at a UPS store. You had a ton of stuff, look like musical gear. Were you shipping anything, man? You're on tour right now? That's how that works. And again, most people, not everybody, but most people, very cool about this. It is very easy for us to live in a world without a lot of interaction with other people. Think about how you buy groceries. Think about how you bank. Think about all the deliveries that you're getting to your house. We can be very anonymous. Do you ever see that movie called The Net, Sandra Bullock? She disappeared, just disappeared. And nobody knew because she was on the computer all the time. Didn't have any friends, online friends, maybe, online relationships, but nobody where she was that could vouch for her or even knew that she was missing. Bring back the humanity. There are stories within that. Let me give you this list again. One, be curious. Two, talk to people. Three, research. For more thoughts, the full article, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. <clears throat> sponsorship framework for podcasters. This is from Justin Moore. He's got a nice sponsorship framework that works for podcasters. These are three things that you need to consider before doing any sponsorship deal. Number one, deliverables. What are you going to create? Which format will it be in? Where will it be published and when will it be published? Those are the questions to ask. Those are the questions to answer. Usage rights, that's the second thing. What is the brand allowed to do with the content that you create? Can it be repurposed? How long can it be used? Anybody that I do a read for, you heard riverside.fm earlier. Later on in this episode, I've got some classified ads. You can use that any way you want to. That is the deal that I make with advertisers. Yep, you get a host read ad. Yes, it goes to build the big podcast listeners. But you can also use it for your podcast, for your social media. I don't care. Use it any way you want to. That's part of the deal. By the way, if you're interested in getting a classified ad in the newsletter and also a classified ad here on the audio edition of Big Podcast Insider, that's what you're listening to right now, 35 bucks. That's what it costs for an independent. Newsletter.bigpodcast.com for more information about that. Let's go to that third thing, exclusivity. If you do a deal with one brand, will you still be able to work with another similar brand? Riverside.fm, this is a good example. There are many competitors for that software, many similar brands. Can I work with them? Yeah, I can. Would I? Mm, Probably not. Probably not one thing after the other because then it's confusing to you. And I'm thinking about that when I take on advertising clients. If I've got software A and software B and they're very similar, and I'm advertising both, you're like, oh, what do I do? Don't know which decision to make. It's not good for the advertiser, it's not good for you. It confuses things. Now you can say, well, David, it's good for you, because you could double your ads. Maybe, maybe, but what I'm trying to do is have something that's good for you, listeners. I'm trying to have you have a good experience. That's why more people listen to this podcast than so many other podcasts. You've got a good experience. I'm not trying to confuse you. Yeah, I can make a few hundred, a few thousand bucks here and there, but is it good for the long run? Probably not. So do consider that. Exclusivity, that's a big one. So number one, deliverables, two, usage rights, three, exclusivity. The big takeaway here, and this works for any job that you do for somebody else, is to get clear on what you will do and what you won't do. Put it in writing. People hear what they want to hear or people are only focused on one thing and being focused only on that one thing, they're neglecting the other things so they don't hear things that they should. That can be a problem. So do get it in writing. By the way, a quick plug. I'll talk a little bit more about this later in the episode. If you are interested in growing your podcast so you can get advertising for your podcast, I've got something for you called Big Podcast Amp audio monetization program, that's what that stands for, bigpodcast.com slash amp. For more information on that, and also the sponsorship framework from Justin Moore, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Netflix is shutting down its DVD business. I'm mentioning this here because this is a reminder that formats can and will change, and that includes podcasting. Podcasting is going to change sooner than you'd think. Just 20 years ago, we were still buying paper books and magazines and music was being delivered to us on pieces of plastic. Of course, people are still reading books today. People are still buying CDs. And back then, 20 years ago, people were reading books online. You might be familiar with Project Gutenberg, huge, huge. A lot of online books there, music online. Man, back in the nineties, we were doing it with mp3.com. E-music was the first brand to really come in and start selling music. That's been about 25 years ago. So people were doing it. I was one of them. And that's where things get messy because things are always changing. And then there's that shift to where it seems like everybody has changed. VHS tapes to DVDs, DVDs to streaming, vinyl records to cassettes to CDs, and back to vinyl records. Things are always changing. Here's the question for you. Are you ready to take advantage of it? You need to be ready to take advantage of it If you need help, like I mentioned, Big Podcast AMP, we can do it. If you want more thoughts about how Netflix has changed its business over the years, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Classified ads for you. Swell AI automates writing podcast summaries, articles, social posts, and more. You can manage multiple shows in one dashboard. Build custom templates for each show. It connects via Google Drive, Dropbox, and Zoom. So whatever you record, it automatically goes to Swell AI. Swell AI. Outputs, episode notes automatically. This is cool. You can get started for free. I've got the link newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Publer, social media scheduler. Speaking of automation, this thing is great for social media. You don't want to be a slave to social media. I post something on Instagram every day. Have you seen the Big Podcast One Instagram? Big Podcast Number One. That's the username on Instagram. A lot of funny podcasting memes. Sometimes I'll send them in the newsletter. Anyway, all scheduled with Publer. It is a great service, a social media scheduler, so you are not a slave to social media. I've got it linked, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. I mentioned Big Podcast Amp, audio monetization program. When you are ready, this is how I can help you even more. This is a personal coaching program designed to help you do three things. One, grow your podcast audience. Two, get more people talking about your podcast. And three, make more money with your podcast. Even if you think, oh man, I don't need money. I'm doing it for the fans. (laughs) If just one person listens to me, then it's all worth it. All right, cool, man. But money is going to help you reach that one person. Money is going to help you produce your podcast. Money is going to help you buy those mics, the compressors, the limiters, the interfaces with all those flashy lights that you like to buy. That's why I mentioned money. It makes it possible for you to do everything else that you want to do with your podcast. And if you're interested in getting more money, more listeners, more authority, more impact, more, more, more of the good things that can come from podcasting, I can help you. It's called Big Podcast Amp Audio Monetization Program. You can go there directly at bigpodcast.com slash AMP or if you want more details, more thoughts, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to Build a Big Podcast. If you want to make sure that you never miss an episode, you don't want that. No, you don't. So do this. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. That will get you to the subscription page. I've got three links for you. One for iPhone, one for Android, one is an RSS feed. I've got a QR code there for you. You like this QR codes? Scan it. You'll be able to instantly subscribe to build a big podcast from your smartphone. Everything is linked. I've got it all at bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Do you not have a subscription page? What? What? Steal mine. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Steal it, man. Take it. Take the graphics. Take the copy. Do it. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. And do it now before you forget. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Thank you for listening to Build a Big Podcast. I will see you on the next episode.